I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Breaking news, Lindsay Ayers stepping into the studio. Yeah, and boy, President Joe Biden has just called Russian President Vladimir Putin a war criminal for the invasion of Ukraine. President Biden was responding to reporters who were literally shouting questions at him uh, when he made the comment. Oh, I, I, I think he is a war criminal. And as you probably know, boy, that was hard to hear. It was just quick. But until now, the White House has avoided using that phrase, citing an ongoing investigation. Okay, Lindsay Ayers, thanks for breaking that for us. And uh, this really falls into what we've been talking about today that words have meaning, the meaning matters. Uh, and so this is a significant one for President Biden to actually declare Vladimir Putin as a war criminal. We'll continue to break that down. Uh, we're going to go now to some reaction from uh, the speeches from today, both President Biden's speech earlier. Uh, interesting that he didn't use the war criminal terminology in that speech, uh, but did with reporters as he was getting ready to, to uh, board the plane. Uh, but we spoke with Utah Representative Blake Moore and uh, welcomed him on to the program. Very pleased to have joining us on the program today. Utah Representative Blake Moore joins us from our nation's capital. Congressman, thanks for jumping on. Thanks for having me again, Boyd. Hey, uh, we know it's a busy day back there, a day that uh, started out uh, in a most unusual fashion. It isn't very often that uh, you have a joint session of Congress to hear from a leader of another country. Uh, they, they just don't happen that often. Uh, you were in the room there where it happened. Uh, give us a, a sense of what, what was the feeling going in, and then we'll dive into what President Zelensky actually said. Yeah, it was, you have to take a step back and, and think how momentous that was to be a part of that. Uh, obviously very moved by President Zelensky's address. He, he just got an unwavering resolve amid this constant barrage of, of relentless attacks from Russia. Um, so it was really a privilege to hear from him. And I, and I guess the, the sense of the room was every chance we got to stand and applaud him. Uh, we took that opportunity. And so uh, it was neat for him to be able to actually see that from us too. you know, a call, a presentation, that type of stuff is interesting. But for him to see that we were you know, unified and his support was was a neat thing as well. And from both houses of Congress. Yeah. So, so important to show that uh, unity, I think, uh, is, is so important because I think the rest of the world sometimes wonders how unified we are around some things uh, because of the, the politics of so many other things that uh, tend to get in the way. Uh, as you were listening to the address, Address, uh, what was it that uh, that stood out to you? He's got clear requests, and it's incumbent upon us, it's incumbent upon Europe, to be able to to best address those, and NATO included in that, obviously, uh, to be able to um, address that. I, I think it's perfectly within his in his um, right to make the request that he feels are reasonable, 
and we have to be decision makers on our end to decide what it is that we can do to stop this madness without creating more madness, right? And that's the balancing act that we that we'll be faced with. And there's you know lots of things that are you know, on the table and need to be addressed. Yeah, I thought one of the things that he did most effectively was he was really trying to reframe the conversation in so many ways. You know, going back and and starting with you know black skies over Pearl Harbor, black skies over uh, yeah. September 11th, black skies over Ukraine, uh, and what's happening now. Uh, of course, he you know he's a student of history and understands and went from that I have a dream to to I have a need, um, and then even reframing the the idea of a no fly zone, which I think everyone knows is not going to happen, but reframing it in terms of saying a humanitarian fly zone, no fly zone, and if not that, then systems and weapons and planes so that we can do that, uh, and so it seems that at so many turns along the way, he was trying to say. Can we just look at all of this differently, uh, not even going down the NATO path, but saying, hey, maybe there's this new Union 24 where we can, uh, you know, rapidly respond to bad guys like Putin or earthquakes or famine or or whatever may be happening around the world. Uh, d- did he reframe the conversation today? You could look at what he says and he tries to use examples in our history and none of that came across as messaging. It came across yeah. as authentic. And it came across as a push and a reminder that the U.S. has led the world and we need to lead the world in freedom. And he made that point over and over again about fighting for freedom and supporting countries like his that are on the front lines of that threat of this type of regime taking over. And so I do believe he was able to make that point and reframe that in a way that you know Americans can look at and say, "Wow, we need to be, we need to help." And you know, and I've talked about this, you know, our involvement in years past, yeah. uh, in in decades past, from Bosnia or when Kuwait was invaded, and and how we've stepped in. Um, and that's the question that we're all grappling with right now: is to, to how can we go about stepping into a nuclear armed Russia right now? None of these other countries that that we've had conflicts with in the past fifty years have, have been nuclear armed to the to, to what Russia has, or that we know of their cyber capabilities so we can avoid this going kinetic but stepping in and supporting the ukrainian people at at some point we'll have to just keep evaluating it right now it doesn't feel like there's support to getting into a no-fly zone situation as you mentioned but what can we do to ensure we get lethal aid and getting planes and then there's a dynamic going on between congress and the administration and for Speaker Pelosi and, and Schumer, you know, they control this type of situation. They're both in the majority position to be able to invite him today. Knowing what his requests are going to be is also right. an indicator that there's maybe a push to do more and maybe even a push on the administration. That's a healthy thing to see. Even Democrats sort of arguing with each other about how to go about doing this. It's a tough position to be in, obviously, in the commander in chief. But we have to be bold. We have to be clear about what we're going to do. I draw equivalency between stingers and javelins and other type of ground-to-air missiles and defense capabilities with defense systems that are air-based. Some are arguing that that would be more of a provocation, or maybe Russia's going to believe that to be a provocation, but these are all just providing lethal aid, and there's a difference between those two things, and you know, could easily see myself supportive of, of that, and, do, and, and, and am supportive of the MiG situation, right? And is it going to escalate? People are getting killed the end of the day they're getting killed by conventional warfare if this becomes biological was that our red line yeah we need to make sure we can establish these types of red lines and then be willing that we weren't able to we weren't willing to do under the obama administration in syria with with the types of chemical attacks on civilians and things like that we've got to be able to 
categorically defend any red line that we put out there. And I think that's another big discussion that's going on right now. What are those red lines? Yeah, I, th- I think that's... It's tough so- to make a red line... Yeah, we can get into that, but that, that, that's another piece that, that we're getting pushed to that point now. Yeah, that's right. And I do think uh, you, you raise such an important point that uh, Speaker Pelosi and, and Leader Schumer were the ones who extended the, informa- uh, the invitation to President Zelensky. They're the only ones who can, uh, knowing that that was going to put added pressure on President Biden and the administration. Yeah. Uh, and clearly uh, not long after, uh, the president, of course, uh, held a uh, brief uh, gave a brief message, really went through kind of a laundry list of, of weapons and systems and, and financial aid that was going over to Ukraine. Uh, and so I thought that was an interesting one. Uh, did not go down many of the paths that uh, President Zelensky did uh, that I think he could have. I think he could have uh, matched some uh, some heart and soul uh, with the laundry list of, of important things. And then the president's right for doing that. Um, but this is going to be one of those that's going to require some some leadership. And I think one of the things that President Zelensky uh, was really pointing to was that you you have to lead from the front, Mr. President. And uh, and that takes a, a vision and, as you said, Congressman, some boldness uh, that we can, uh, you know, make those lines in the sand and then stick with them and then uh, take appropriate action as follows. That's where our next level, this has gotten out of hand, right? We, I've always argued for sanctions earlier on. They amassed a thousand troops or a hundred thousand troops at the border. They weren't going to just get them there and then take them back. Our intelligence was clear and that there was going to be uh, movement on on Ukraine. Making sanctions earlier, you could have sparsed out a few different things. You could have gone after the oligarchs like we had initially communicated out. We could have provided lethal aid when we had better chance at the supply line. <clears throat> Again, would that have provoked Putin? Possibly. But at least we would have had better defense mechanisms in place for our, the Ukrainian people earlier. But now you're in a really tough situation because it's got so far down the road. The concept of establishing some red lines is the next level of deterrence that we can do. Yeah. And we just have to be ready to defend that and not not back away from that. If that if, if something that we put out there is really and, and Biden needs to and he has to lead on that. And we can't we can't show any weakness there. Fantastic. Great insight as always. Uh, Congressman Blake Moore, we appreciate you making some time for us today. We'll get you back to a very busy day in our nation's capital and around the world. Appreciate you joining us on Insight Sources today. We'll be back after bottom of the hour news. Much more to discuss on a very busy day. Stay with us on KSL. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.